0: Welcome to the Take Control podcast with myself Kirsten Jackson, consultant gastroenterology, UK registered dietitian and fellow IBS sufferer. This podcast is for people who have IBS and covers the take control principles of nutrition, sleep, movement and mental well-being. Each week I will be providing both trusted and practical information in a format where TMI does not exist. Episodes will, will form a mixture of expert interviews, IBS sufferer success stories, and my own IBS ramblings. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Simproof, a water-based food supplement containing live and active bacteria created to support a healthy gut balance. Simproof believes that living your best, feeling your best, and looking your best starts from within. Want to find out more about Simproof? Then head over to their website, www.simproof.com, also linked within the show notes. IBS is a common condition which is diagnosed by ruling out other conditions such as celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease. However, gynecology conditions can also be present in a similar way and are not part of the routine testing of our IBS. In this episode, I am joined by Dr. Salma as we cover the crossover between digestive and gynecology symptoms. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Salma. Please could you um, do a little bit of a mini introduction so that all our guests know your background
1: um, and how amazing you are. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Christian. Thanks for inviting me over to chat to you. My name is Dr. Salma balal I'm a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist. I trained in the UK and currently I am working here in Dubai in Genesis Healthcare Center. I specialize mainly in pregnancy, but I cover a lot of gynae issues in my practice as well. And that's just a very brief description of me, really. Fantastic. So, busy ladies. So, thank you for coming on today.
0: So, we'll get started with some of the topics that we're going to cover because there's so many. So, um, you know, I'm sure this is going to be very in depth and very useful. So, as most of the listeners are aware, symptoms of IBS include stomach pain, bloating, stomach distension, and changes in bowel
1: habits. Which of these symptoms can you also be related potentially to gynecology problems? I think all what you've mentioned can be a crossover with a gynecological Problems, and I think this is a frustrating part for a lot of patients with IBS that they really feel that they are being pushed from one specialty to another before they come down to a diagnosis. Um, ultimately. IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion because there is no specific test as such to say, this patient has got IBS, they end up seeing so many specialities while they are going through such a horrible time with pain and bloating and discomfort. But basically, a lot of issues in gynecology can present with uh, similar symptoms to IBS, um, starting from just being on the normal pill. Some ladies, the pill don't agree with them. And they start taking the pill and they start feeling very bloated, having a lot of disturbance in their bowel habits, uh, cramps, and they don't really link that to the pill. And suddenly, they stop the pill, they switch the pill and their symptoms are better and that could just be a hormonal effect perimenopause can be associated with the symptoms that you've mentioned going down to um, abdominal pain ovarian pathology that can be associated with uh, symptoms similar to IBS endometriosis can be associated with similar uh, symptoms to IBS and going to more you know serious issues like cancer, Um, gynecological cancers, cancers of the womb, cancers of the ovaries can present with altered bowel habits, loss of weight, bloating, uh, abdominal pain. So it's vast and the diagnosis sometimes is very, very difficult, but as I said, it becomes a journey Mm -hmm. and when you excluded everything, then it becomes IBS.
0: Yep, yeah, it definitely is a journey. I think that's a frustrating for many patients because they just feel the diagnosis of IBS and it just seems such a woolly kind of um, diagnosis, which it isn't, but it obviously takes a long time and it is all those exclusions. So obviously most people listening to this podcast do have IBS. Is it a case then that everybody with IBS should be seeing the gynecologist?
1: Um, not necessarily. I think, again, It's which system you're in. If you're in the UK, majority of patients first will see their GP, and then the GP will determine whether these symptoms are more towards a gyne issue or towards a gastroenterology issue. Um, Majority of IBS patients, I would say, end up seeing both, females end up seeing both, because... If you see a gastroenterologist, he cannot exclude 100% that there's an ovarian pathology, there's no endometriosis. So they tend to end up saying, okay, let's go on and see a gynecologist just to make sure that everything is covered and we're not just saying it is IBS and vice versa. You see a gynecologist and they will say, now I've excluded everything here How about we see a gastroenterologist just to make sure this is not bowel related. So I think eventually, whoever you see, you will have a cross cover in majority of females between both specialities.
0: Mm. and certainly i see it send most of my female clients to gynae to you know get this check over because definitely and is there any specific tests that you would maybe expect um because as i said the common route is and as you said as well see a gp or a family medicine doctor and a gastroenterologist is there any types of testing they would be doing that would be looking
1: for gynecology or would they literally just be referring straight to a gynecologist i, I think if they are happy sort of with all the symptoms and they're not too concerned, a basic pelvic ultrasound scan should be done Mm. just to make sure that you're not missing. Now, you will not diagnose endometriosis with an ultrasound scan. That tends to come more with a history. Unless a patient has got a very obvious chocolate cyst or very obvious um, adenomyosis that they can see on an ultrasound scan, majority of or severe endometriosis where their ovaries look like they're stuck together, Um, mild endometriosis wouldn't be diagnosed with an ultrasound scan. But again, an ultrasound scan would exclude other pathologies, other issues with the ovaries, with the pelvis. So if they are happy, yes, do that. If you're not sure, consult. Yeah, that sort
0: of sounds reasonable then. just goes back, you know, to every, every case is different, isn't it? There's no hard and fast rule of like, sure. oh, no, you can't do yeah. this, you can't do that. It's just down to clinical judgment and probably the experience of that doctor as well at the time, I should imagine. Yeah. Okay, and so we touched briefly on endometriosis there. You just mentioned it. It's quite, um, well, I see a lot of women with it. Um, The reason I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit in more depth was um, that there is some good research showing that the low FODMAP diet, which is typically used in IBS, is actually very good for endometriosis symptoms. But could you explain a little bit about what endometriosis
1: is and sort of how common it is? Endometriosis is a very complex condition. Condition uh, women that suffer from endometriosis. Um, I would say it's actually an illness that, for all that period in the childbearing age, they're crippled in pain, bloating, constant visits to hospitals. Basically, endometriosis where the lining of the womb implants outside the uterus so the lining of the endometrium is found outside the uterus so that could be on um, the ovaries could be on the sidewall of the abdomen um, can be on the bowel and in some cases it's been found in tissues of the lung So this is why I'm saying there's so much research that's going into endometriosis to try and understand why women get endometriosis. Mm -hmm. About 10 to 15% of women in childbearing age do suffer from endometriosis. Um, Normally, it um, presents with severe abdominal pain during a period. But when it is very, very severe and it's been ongoing for a prolonged period of time, the pain can continue outside their period. It um, can lead to infertility. It can lead to chronic pelvic pain. And if we go into the low FODMAP diet, basically to a lot of patients, what FODMAP uh, diet is, it's type of carbohydrates that um, aren't broken well in the gut. As it transmits through the gut, it absorbs more water and then that gets fermented with the bacteria, produces gases, methane, carbon and that distends the bowel. And um, if you imagine that the lining of the womb is implanted on the bowel and the bowels get distended, that would cause pain. So if you take or you, you continue going on a low FODMAP diet, then that would reduce the chances of that pain occurring, especially if you have endometriosis attached to the bowel.
0: Mm-hmm yeah no makes sense makes sense and i do think you know as women maybe i'm biased because i'm a woman but we do get a rough time of it with all these hormones and definitely when right. we look at the data around ibs there is more women diagnosed with ibs i mean it may be because we're more likely to go to the doctor but i um, i sneak heap suspicions to do you know because of all hormonal changes that we have yeah. okay on that note as well then so when we look at periods for example the week before period our hormones tend to drop and we know that this increases gut sensitivity Are there any sort of home remedies that you could recommend during this time that would improve this at all? I'm not a
1: guru, to be honest, with home remedies, but I, in general, in lots of women where there is hormonal imbalance, if they are going to go down the room of homeopathic or home remedies. I really am a great believer in Agnes Castus or Vitax, which is a supplement that does work really well with um, female hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, And it tends to stabilize women hormones, especially at that time prior to your period. So ladies that suffer with hormonal imbalance, perimenopause, PMS, um, Agnes Castus really, really helps, but you need to give it time. So you need to take it regularly. You need to give it time. And there's a lot of research that's been done on it. And again, anything that increases your endorphins would help with your hormones. So exercise, um, swimming, Pilates, yoga, stuff like this can help with your endorphins, which does balance your hormones as well. And that would help yeah uh, okay that makes sense
0: yeah and it's something that we actually look at in my take control program for ibs so yeah movement's really important it's ironic as well because during that week we tend to not want to move at all um, because we don't feel very well but actually you know it's very good for our bodies to get some sort of movement in so even if someone's not feeling like they need to go to the gym and lift heavy weights or something crazy just something even as simple
1: as pilates or yoga or walk can definitely have some improvements so definitely that sounds great as you said our hormones Sometimes they do work against us. At that period of our cycle, we actually just want to curl into a ball, like on the sofa, don't want to do any. And working out with weight sometimes can be very difficult in women at that stage. This is why yoga and Pilates, things that are not so high intensity or exercises that aren't high intensity, exercises, tend to help more just because of what you said, that you just don't feel like you want to do anything really hardcore. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it makes sense. Okay, is there anything that we could um, be taking or in terms of contraceptive? Is there anything in the market or anything you recommend that would potentially stabilize hormones for this reason that would then have a knock-on effect to help with the gut health? Does it
1: work like that? There is no. There is no specific contraceptive pill that works for one and not to the each woman is different. Mm. My hormone profile as a female is very different to your hormone profile yeah. as a female. So potentially the pill that I take that might be perfect for me might completely not agree with you. Because again, how you bring break down your hormones is very different to how I would break down my hormones. And this is where the danger comes, where two friends will sit down and say, oh, well, I take this pill and it works absolutely fine. Why don't you try it? And then a friend goes and tries it and it could be completely the wrong pill for them. So, you know, in these instances, patients should be seeking advice from professionals to make sure that the pill that they're taking is one safe, because not all pills are safe for all. And the second thing is that if they're suitable, and if they're not suitable, then what is the alternative? Mm. And again, there are very different types of pills. There's the mini pill, there is the combined pill. So there are pills that contain estrogen, there are pills that contain estrogen and progesterone, and pills that contain progesterone on their own. And some are okay with IBS and others aren't. Mm, interesting uh, so you need to understand the sort of the the chemistry of the pill before you prescribe the pill
0: mm-hmm. but definitely um it sounds like you know going to get this advice would be very helpful for female um people suffering female people um suffering with ibs anyway just get that personalized advice it could really help actually So with, I mean, and talk, I suppose, the evidence spectrum, what about um, during sort of many perimenopause? Because the research actually shows that women post-menopause are less likely to have IBS, but obviously up until that stage where the hormones are going haywire again, the symptoms are going to be very disrupted. Is there anything that um, women can do during this time at all? In
1: the past, we used to tell a lot of women that they can't take the pill. Past the age of 35, you're not allowed to take the pill because if you take the pill, then you know this is not healthy and it increases, uh, you know, your chances of stroke and other complications. Now, women that are fit and healthy, non-smokers, normal um, weight, mm-hmm. um, no significant medical history, they actually can take the pill up to the age of fifty. Now, if that is the case case then potentially they can stabilize their hormones in that perimenopause age and it can take them through all these symptoms that they get either from the perimenopause or gut symptoms so the pill can be an option for these women now other women turn around and say oh can i because I don't want to take estrogen. Can I take progesterone on its own? So can I have the Mirena coil or can I have the mini pill? Now the mini pill or the Mirena coil works great for periods and period problems, but we need to realize that progesterone on its own in some ladies can actually make your gut sluggish. Hmm. Um, And it can make your symptoms worse. So it can make some ladies bloated. It can make um, them have abdominal discomfort and pain. So again, what works for one doesn't mean it works for all. Yeah, no, interesting. It's going to be a trial and error. Yeah,
0: definitely. And again, it just keeps going back to that whole, you know, one size doesn't fit all and you're going to need to get that specialist advice. Okay. And with with specialist advice, I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm coming from the UK and also based in Dubai now, but definitely within the UK, there tends to be this shift. Or hopefully there's a shift coming that we should be seeing a gynecologist, you know, more often just for routine checkups and things. Because I think, you know, growing up as a woman, it was, we only ever went to a gynecologist if there was actually a problem, if we were seeing, having symptoms or, you some sexual health problems, that kind of thing. Whereas Um, I feel like when we look at maybe even the Americans or within UAE, it's a little bit more like, oh, you would just go for a checkup. Is that something you should be doing, just going to get checked regularly? Or is there any kind of guidance around that? I think if
1: if you look at private healthcare in the UK, women that do have private healthcare do tend to go for regular checkups in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, Women that are accessing the... National Health Service, tend to go through their GP for checkups. Normally, it's pap smears um, every three years. Otherwise, you don't get the yearly, I'm just going to go for a checkup. You go if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And it sounds bizarre, but imagine you've got a car, you're back home. Will your car be let to go on that road without a regular yearly MOT? No. Because you have to make sure that the car is roadworthy. So I don't understand why women shouldn't check themselves every year to make sure that they are fine rather than wait till something goes wrong and then they get a checkup. Exactly. Um, this should be a service that's accessible to everyone, but it's this is a culture and it's been there for years and years and years that you don't want to bother, you don't want to go and get checked unless there's something wrong and it has to change. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot easier to, you know, prevent a problem than solve it, I think. Correct. It's a similar Correct. kind of thing, I'm similar in a, in a way, it gets to mental health. You know, I always say to my clients, because they say, oh, but I've, I haven't got depression, I haven't got anxiety, but they could do with seeing a psychologist at times, you know, for some therapy. I do believe, you know, like if you've got a brain, then why not see somebody that's going to help, you know, to re help
1: your, your thoughts and things yeah. like this? You know, it shouldn't be such a big taboo subject or area. Preventative medicine is much more better than curative. If you prevent something, then you know you, even if there is something wrong picking it up early is much much easier to treat maybe even cure than wait for something to go wrong and then start treating exactly
0: exactly so I've been asking all my guests this question to end and um, so if you could give one piece of advice to people who are suffering with IBS what would it be
1: it's a tough one but I would say Honestly, persevere, stand your grounds because a lot of ladies with IBS do feel that they are being pushed from one pillar to a post and they feel like almost it's in your head. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with you, it's just a bit of IBS. Stand your ground. You know, if you're not happy about the diagnosis you've been given, pursue another opinion till you get to a place where you do have an answer you do have some sort of a a treatment or a plan that would get you through you don't just have to suffer in silence because it can be very very difficult Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic advice so that was really really useful thank you for all that um, great advice many of our listeners will benefit from your input today where can people find out more about you though?
1: I am practicing at Genesis Healthcare Center in Dubai, um, Science Park. Um, you can either access us on our website and that's dot com, or um, contact me on my Instagram. My Instagram, by the way, is not for um, medical consultation or anything. It's just um, fun and just a look into, you know, what I do really and that's mother Stork's world um yeah great contact me
0: yeah all right thank you so much and i will put um links to both of those in the show notes for anyone and um, wanting to get in contact great thank you
1: so much
0: if you enjoyed this week's episode of the take control podcast and would like the chance to win a 12-week course with improve then listen up All you need to do is leave a review of the podcast and subscribe. Winners will be announced at the start of January 2021. Please leave your Instagram handle name so I can contact you.